Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Conservative. What I don't like about Washington is they're very nice to your face, and then they take a shiv or a machete and they stab it in your back. I'm a Wall Street guy, and I'm more of a front stabbing person, and, and I'd rather tell people directly how I feel about them. Nobody talk about politics. Like, don't say anything. You know, a marriage that's been through it all. She has filed for divorce over his naked political ambition. These are the views of a couple in love, a couple with children, a couple with differing opinions and perspectives a couple that survive he's kind of like an impetuous guy in in many ways that's great in some ways it's tough when you're married what leads them back to each other communication conversation and a realistic outlook on the world we live in your hosts anthony and deirdre scaramucci this is mooch and the missus all right we have a really special guest on our podcast today from vegas we have Governor Chris Christie, former governor of New York of New Jersey. I'm so New York focused all the time. Um, thanks for doing this with oh, us. Great to be here. We got thanks. to hang out last night we and did. have a, a real conversation. Yeah, it's the first about time. family and friends and all that. Yeah, no, all no the politics. real stuff, the good stuff. That's right. right. The stuff that matters. So today we'll talk about what? Well, I want, I want to also we can do a little bit about fun and is some politics. My father-in-law. Oh, I told who, him last night. Well, I, I think it's important him. to put it in, on the record. My father-in-law who worked in the Kinney parking yeah, system Kinney. for 40 years, uh, loved you. Wow. And he was like a blue-collar New Yorker, really blue loved collar, you. He, like, he totally related to you. He's, he's trying to do the right thing. Like, hey, let me tell you something. That guy, he's trying to do the right thing. That's These great. other guys are a bunch of phonies, but that guy's trying to do the right thing. And so That's I, great. I, I want to share you were that. the real deal. I want to share so that with nice. you because he was somebody that you would have loved, and he was the real he deal. He was the real deal. He was, a sweet, he was a sweet guy. And we used to always laugh about him, you know. And I, and when we walked out of the uh, that VIP dinner last night, mm-hmm. I said, I wish, you know, unfortunately he passed away, Chris, from uh, uh, Governor Christie from leukemia. And a couple of years ago, I said, babe, your father would be over the moon that you were hanging out. Fun. Yeah, I would love to hang out with over him. the moon, hanging out with Governor Christie. But, but you you did an amazing job today uh, with the former Attorney General Sessions on the Mueller report. And so, I don't want to have you go through the whole thing, but I want you to summarize it for me. I am not a student of politics. I don't have a lot of information about the, the whole thing, and but I trust you. So give us a little summary for someone that's listening to our podcast. Say, okay, what's Governor Christie's take on the whole thing? Uh, first thing that, that members of the public should understand is that Bob Mueller has said himself that everything he asked for in order to do the most thorough investigation he could, he was given. And he was never refused anything that he asked for during the entire time of the investigation. So that's a really important thing for people to know because Bob's an experienced prosecutor, and so he did a thorough job. Second thing that's most important to know is that he found that there was no evidence of any kind of conspiracy between the Trump campaign and the Russians to try to interfere with the election. That's the most important question he looked at, and he was unequivocal about that. And there's a whole third part uh, a Third part of this is the, the whole issue of obstruction. Right. And did the president try to obstruct the investigation? And you know what? Um, you both know the president as I do. Um, there was nothing in that report that surprised me at all. 
to hear those kind of things coming out of the president's mouth. He didn't like the investigation. He was resentful of it. He wanted it to be over the day after it started. And, and no matter how many of us said to him, just keep quiet, um, he couldn't. The good news, though, is that what the report found was that when he did say some really out-of-hand stuff, um, the people around him, his staff, predominantly the attorney general, the deputy attorney general, Don McGahn, um, chief White House counsel, um, just wouldn't do the things that the president was suggesting. So there was no obstruction of justice either. So really what you have left now is for the American people to decide when they read that, they have to decide about the president's conduct and are they comfortable with it. Um, but what they should know is that nobody interfered with the election in 2016 from the American side. So let's talk about the other side because uh, you're a great attorney and uh, very smart attorneys can take two opposing views in their mind and synthesize mm -hmm. it. Let's take the other side for a second. Do you think they should continue this stuff that they're doing now? Um, listen, I think that what they're doing now, they should either move to impeachment, as I was saying today, or stop. Right, like one or the other. One or the other. Cut to it or not. Yeah, because it's not like they can investigate any better than Bob Mueller did over two yeah. years with all the resources that he got. So my view is, Anthony, it's one or the other. Deirdre, it's, it's either, okay, you think that what's in that report is, is, is bad enough that he should be impeached. Well, then go ahead and have your impeachment hearings or move on to other issues that are no, important No, but they the want country. to dig and dig. Because they feel like they don't have enough. Yep, so, you're right. I know. You're right. And I, they're not going to find any more than Bob Mueller did. You know, Bob Mueller had subpoenas, grand juries, um, search warrants, wiretaps, um, most of which the Congress can't do. So I don't know how they think they're going to find something that he didn't. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my, my wife and I, this is our probably 33rd, 34th podcast, and uh, not a Trump fan. Uh doesn't like a lot of the elements of the thing, but it's a lot about how he does things. It's well, not, that's the thing. He always says not a Trump fan. It's not about his policies. It's not about any of that kind of stuff. It's about his style and the way he conducts himself sometimes that I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. So it's not about. It's not that I don't like him as a – I think he's done a lot for us over the past year. I feel like he's he's good in many ways. It's, it's more of a personal style that I can't get with. And I try to explain it to Anthony that as a mom and – as someone who's trying to teach my kids, like, okay, don't, you know, don't call that person that. Mm -hmm. like, And then they're watching him on TV and he's doing it every five seconds. It's just really hard for me to justify. Yeah. So it's it's more of a personality thing, more of a style thing. Anthony's comfortable with anybody, mostly anybody, because he's kind of... I grew up in a morosely dysfunctional situation. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to do? No, okay, but, they were, you know... They were throwing plates at each yeah. other. Trump I mean, is okay, an acquired taste, and so is Anthony. Like I've acquired a taste for Anthony. You're not. Well, though, I'm glad. You're, you're not, you're, oh, I am too. You're not an acquired taste. We're so though, happy so for Anthony that you've acquired a taste for him. We really are because yeah. we're all so worried all right. about him. Yeah, we're, right. like, we're really some, glad. Some of you that can't see this, you think it's water in my glass, but it's actually vodka. I'm going to be doing a shot right now. No, the fact that my wife thank still God loves it's me. not because you should see him if that really yeah, was. Yeah, we wouldn't want that. No. So wait, what were we saying? So now we're off. No, on we're a talking about the here. style. No, we're he's just an Trump acquired style. taste, and yeah. I and I like him as a guy socially. Like when you're not the president, but it's just different when you're in that well, seat. He is totally different than anything we've ever had. You, you know what's funny? He knows that she doesn't like him, so he, he's always, he yeah, works he, hard. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah. But like, I always say, Anthony, why does he care if? Who, why does he care if like just, you know why you, you <laughs> I, don't, know why. I you really know why. don't know why. He, he, he's just Sunday's so, yelling at me because I'm I'm trying to promote the free press and, and then he's saying is you, you, your wife stay with you she, are you still married I said yeah he goes oh yeah she's a good woman she's a good woman keeper yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. it's like, just so that's silly because he knows but she doesn't like him it's, he's you know a I mean? salesman you know at right core, of course I was saying this today in the panel that we did at core he's a salesman and he wants to make the sale to everyone right right and what he's selling now is himself 
And more than ever before, it's always been a huge element of it, the art of the deal, all that stuff. But now he's got to sell himself. And when and when he doesn't make the sale with someone like you, it drives him crazy. Isn't that funny? It drives him crazy. It's and, he, like, and he just wants it's it's out of proportion to your influence, right? Right. So very so, much right? so. And so, but it doesn't matter to him. Like he can't fathom that somebody might not like him. You right. Know? How could he that be? He just can't process the information. So, no. so I, I was with Bill O'Reilly yesterday. We were doing an interview together, and so I don't think he would mind me saying this. He says, you know, he's he's writing this book, The United States of Trump. It's going to come out in September. And he said, well, yeah, some days I'm in favor, some days I'm out of favor, some mm -hmm. days I'm in favor. Describe your relationship with the president. Well, it's been 17 years long. I met him back in May of 2002, uh, introduced by his sister, Marianne, who was a, uh, at that time a, a circuit court of appeals judge in New Jersey. And she asked me if I would be willing to go out to dinner with her, quote, little brother, close quote. <laughs> and that's when I first met Donald Trump. And our relationship up until the time we ran for president against each other, was always incredibly positive, um, social. Mary Pat and I would go out to dinner with he and Melania three or four times a year, every year. Um, we would we were at their wedding um, at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, I can see you getting along with them. Great. We got yeah. we've got. You know, we're all well. like these like tri-state no area people. No nickname for Governor that... Christie though, right? No, no, no yeah, nicknames so... for the people he really respects, Anthony. Right. Yeah, you I saw that. that. You know, like yeah, Nancy Pelosi that. doesn't have a nickname. Right. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he doesn't he's formidable. Mess with her. Right. No. Yeah. You know, no, he likes her. Crying he doesn't Chuck. want her yeah. to cut his throat. Out. No, he likes her. He doesn't like Cut's crying throat. Chuck because he feels like he's, you know, double cross. Yeah, like he talks he, out of both sides of his yeah, mouth. And, he, and, he, and Trump knows that he's a phony because yep. he gave him a ton of money and he supported him. He tried to help him. He said, Now I'm president. Can you help me? Let's get some bipartisan stuff done. No thanks. And the guy doesn't do that. You nope. know? And American people don't like that, right? I don't no. think they do. And, and so my, my relationship with the president has always been pretty good. Now, about. I guess it was what now almost ten years ago um, that the, the the president's daughter um, married the son of someone that um, I had prosecuted and sent to jail. Um, Jared Kushner's father, Charlie Kushner, um, was a prominent real estate developer in New Jersey who wound up being convicted and pled guilty of tax evasion and federal uh, campaign contribution violations and of witness tampering. Uh, specifically hiring a hooker to go after his sister's husband um, to videotape the encounter and then send it to his own sister to attempt to intimidate her from testifying uh, oh, in, in his case. Well, that was all in your book, by the way. Yeah, right, it was. And so, yeah. you know, that has caused some indirect strain with the president, obviously, because this is now his son-in-law. His son-in-law can't deal with the fact that his father committed these crimes. I mean, his father admitted that he committed these crimes. Somehow it's my fault because I prosecuted somebody who admitted the crimes they yeah. took. So that's the biggest thing, Anthony, that's created a strain between me and the president. He and I have at it, as I know you do with him, when we disagree, because we both tell him what we think. Well, I, I mean, I built it. my own company, you built your own career, yep. you're on to building your own brand as a former governor. I mean, come on, you, you, you don't want to be a... You want to be like these people that uh, form fit the president no. and they're like that, no. that I always say to Anthony, like, you're just as smart, you're just as formidable. Like, there's no reason that you should not say what you have to say. No. Listen, you you respect him, of course, because he's of the, the president office, of course. and the office he holds. But that doesn't mean that he's owed to be agreed with all the time. Do you, do you, do you no, you actually owe it okay, to him. So let, 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 let me ask you a seminal question. Yep. Do you think he's got people around him right now? that are not conforming and modifying their behavior to be with him. Sure. Who? Oh, well, listen, I think Mick Mulvaney's a bit of a different guy. 
um, that he well, was. He's direct the with the, I don't know him. So he's direct with the president. He I, I tells think, him what he thinks he's going I, off the rails. I, I think he does. Now, I don't think he's always effective in being able to get the president to change his mind. But I think Mick's a pretty direct guy in my experience with him. And I think mm-hmm. he's telling, well, he's telling him the speak truth. Many times. He's very smart. There's yeah. No and, about that. and he's experienced in politics. And so he's got opinions. And I think he shares them with the president. And I think, you know, under the circumstances that that job as chief of staff right now, how difficult it is um, with both the president's own management style and the family dynamic, um, I think it's very hard to do that job. So I think Mick's doing a pretty good job. But I think, you know, other than that, um, there's not a lot of folks around him who are giving him the straight scoop. Ask some questions. <laughs> Why are you looking at me? Like, <laughs> I'm looking at I you. did I mean, ask don't questions. Just I look am. beautiful mm-hmm. and then show she, off that uh, supercomputer that she, you got. She, up was, there. she was she was asking me a lot of questions last night, but we just ran out well, of them. Well, I'm so. sorry. Okay, oh, no, you, she's I mean, got the I'm just computer. trying to have a conversation let me, let me, here. I'm not trying to impress anybody. You know, it's like a. a, a a black box on a plane? Yeah. This is the blonde box right here. Okay, this thing doesn't forget anything. It's like a total steel, steel trap supercomputer. That's the that's yeah. the right that's the right kind of partner to have. Yeah, there's yeah, not I that mean, about it. Because yeah, we she, forget stuff. Well, I mean, we put stuff I, aside. I, yeah, of course. Because I'm, that's what men do. That's what men I'm do. the absent minded professor. Yeah. So Chris and I were having a conversation two days ago at seven AM. And then I, I said, was there and then, for that. And, yeah, and she was like yeah. counter and I said, Okay, you're right. I said, Chris, have you ever been right, Chris? No. Have you ever been once right? No, and listen, then you know what Chris says to me? You've met Mary Pat. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and exactly right. And Anthony knows her. Anthony knows her better than most people because yeah, they were they were, ran in some of the same circles for a long time in New York. Yeah, yeah, in the, sure. In the a, it was in the money management business. Yeah. So describe your wife for those of us that are listening in that don't know her. Irish Catholic, number nine of ten children, um, who is very bright and completely fearless, and was taught by her father that she could do anything there and that she well, should never big... she should never limit herself and i think that's the only way someone like her at the age of 23 um in 1986 gets into wall street how'd you meet her college um i went uh, she's a year younger than me See, this is the stuff that's fun for me yeah these are the questions i should be <laughs> yeah, asking she's, she's a year she's, she's, a, she's a year younger than me and i went to on the move-in day of my sophomore year at the University of Delaware, I went over to the dorm that she was moving into to see a friend from high school who was moving in. And I ran into her in the hallway and I thought she was cute. So I just She started, is cute. Thank you. And I started to chatter up a little bit and we became friends, but she was dating somebody you, else at the time. Did you meet to her? Like were you like no, 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 you because, just like because Mr. she made charming. It, what were no, you doing? she made it pretty clear oh, that she was in the beginning that she was dating. She gave you the Heisman, not the Heisman. It was you more kind of like you didn't hit her with a caveman's club. I, did I mean, not. you got a lot of I did Italian. Not. That in waited you. till did later. You, did you? Oh, you did. <laughs> <laughs> you hit her with a caveman's club. Later, yeah. later, later and, you dragged and, her into your cave. And we actually, I actually write about it in the book where, like, when I finally my senior year of college, took that long. Yeah, well, she was dating somebody. Then I started dating somebody else. I don't want to wait around, so I started dating someone else, and finally. We were both available in my senior year, um, and I took her out one night and I kissed her. And she said, "What was that all about?" I go, "You really are waiting two years for that." What do you think it's all about, right? So um, that's how we met, and uh, we got married very soon thereafter. She, we got engaged while she was a senior in college, and we got married the next year during my second year of law school. And we've been married now for thirty-three years. And the first kid, the first kid came when. 
not till seven years later because we okay. wanted to make sure we actually liked each other. <laughs> and those first few years, You're still trying to figure that out, Chris, or no? Yeah, those first. Well, we're gonna no, have to try to figure out again. No, he told me last night Anthony. that they're gonna be empty nesters next yeah. year, and that he's excited because they like each other. We actually have figured it out now after thirty-three years that we actually do let like let each me, other. Let me but the first something. six, seven years, I Anthony, got to know. It was if I got to know her before I got to know you. She totally loves you. Yeah, no, we totally loves you. We have a great relationship. And God bless you. And and so and we grew up together. Right. And there's pluses and minuses to that. You know, it's it, in the early parts of the marriage. I mean, you know, it was rough. We well, I mean, you were so young. You were so young we when were. you got married. 23 yeah. and 22. We had no separated money. Separated in what way? By distance or you get tired? We of moved other? out on each other. We moved twice. Out on each other. Okay. Yeah, twice in our in our in our mid 20s. Right. That makes me feel better. She right. she she moved. I moved out on her first. I, I got out for oh, six so now, months, and then she, she and then I came back, right. and we stayed together for about another two months. Then she moved out for so six months. So you're even. You're yeah, even. Yeah, we're even. See, we're not even. We're even. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I haven't gotten even yet. All right, so you're going to get even? Are you get shooting, even. shooting the gun? All right, just no So, cast- you know, it all works out. No castration. <laughs> no. no. Lots, of like collusion, no collusion? Lots of collusion <laughs> and no obstruction. No, that's irreversible. Okay. You don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. and, no castration. But, you know, it was like those those early years taught us that we really did want to be married and that it's work. And like you guys would say the same thing. Like none of this is easy. Oh no, she's it's great, work. So I mean, it, it is work. But it's work. we were saying also when you have things in common, but you also have your own life, it makes for a better relationship because you can do things together, but you also have your own identity. So totally. it's like you do that and you come together and you enjoy each other. She has all her own identity. You guys will be great. good when you're empty nesters. Yes. That's my prediction. Good. I'm so glad. Don't worry about it. So I, I, I want to ask you this question. And like. Ask people like you this all the time because we were talking a little bit about it in the green room. I'm trying you to take predict what your risk taker. Yes, always have been. It's the biggest yeah. risk that you've. T- well, I know he is. I'm, I'm oh. leading. I'm leading the witness here. I'm leading. He's leading the witness. It's okay. I'm leading the witness. He's a Harvard Law School guy. He's leading the witness. No, listen. The biggest risk. The big, the biggest risk I ever took was running for governor, because I was running against John Corzine in a Democratic state, an incumbent governor, who I knew was going to outspend me and did outspend me three to one. In the end, he spent 33 million, I spent 11. Um, and very few people believed I could win. And I take the way I made the decision, and Mary, and Mary Pat's a key part of this. When we were trying to make the decision, I went to her right at the end and said, well, what do you think I should do? And she said, listen, I don't really care. She said, I think whatever you wanna do is fine with me, but she said, if you're not going to run, then you have to promise me that you'll have no regrets. Yeah. She said, because She'll I- will never hear the end of it. She said, I have no feel, interest, yeah. right? I have no interest in living with a man filled with regret, mm-hmm. sitting around the pool in the backyard going, I could, I would, I should. I'd rather have you run and lose mm-hmm. than not run. And great it was advice. really great advice. And so it was the last piece that allowed me to take that risk with a really you know, committed and clear mind. So I think it's the biggest risk so, I ever took. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. So if somebody out there wants to get into politics, tell them to do it. Sure. Tell us why. Because it's the place where you can make, if you're good at it and you're committed to it, the biggest difference in the shortest amount of time. Because you're given authority that is outsized often um, to your experience, 
uh, sometimes outsized. You kind of learned on, on the job, right? You do. Yeah. You have to. And when I was governor, I had to learn about all kinds of stuff that I had no idea about on the job and then become expert enough in it to be able to make decisions. And that's a really unique opportunity. And you can Scary, reach abroad. Though. It is if the wrong people are there. Mm-hmm. But if the right people are there, it usually is inspiring because mm-hmm. you see people grow. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you remember uh, when Bill Clinton was here, President Clinton? Yeah. Do you remember what he said? Well, he said a lot I, of things. Well, I'm gonna, but I'm what gonna was, I think it's specifically it's right in your wheelhouse. I, I asked him on stage. I was interviewing him. I said, sir, have you done more post-presidency or, or did you do more during the presidency? Do you remember what he said? No. He said, brilliant. I mean, it left me. He said, he said Anthony. If I want to raise a foundation, it'll take me 10 years to raise a billion dollars and to give it out. Oh, yeah, sitting, I do remember. remember? Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. sitting in the Oval Office. You want to put malaria tents up. You strike a pen. A billion dollars of USAID goes to Africa, and you're saving 16 million lives that yep. next year. That's true. He said, so, you it's know. It's like real-life so, monopoly. Right? That's what he yeah. said. He said it was. He says the power that you have in a position of government because you really have the collective will of the people and their treasury behind you. It's totally true. And I will tell you what people, because I get asked all the time now in the 16 months that I've been out of office, what do you miss the most? I typically, all the time, the thing that I miss the most is being able to get up in the morning and see something I don't like and be able to change it. Mm -hmm. As governor, if I saw something I didn't like in the state, I had a pretty good chance if I wanted to, to get up in the morning and figure out a way to fix it or change it. And now I see something I don't like, and it's a lot harder, if it's possible at all, for me to do it. And I think that's the thing, and that's why I would tell people if they have an interest in politics, listen, you have to put up with all the other stuff. There's so much BS. The attacking, the shallowness, um, and and all the other stuff, that the the media attention, all the stuff that goes along with it that we've all around this table experienced. It's You have to be ready to put up with that. But if you can, the difference you can make in the lives of people that you probably will never meet and certainly will never know is pretty amazing. Yeah. What would you well change said. now in this country now, right now, if you could? Oh, I, I listen, I'd change the tone. Yeah. And, you know, Anthony and I kid each other all the time about how direct we are and outspoken we are, but th- it's nasty now. Mm-hmm. And nasty, like, like from Jump Street. Yeah. You, no one gets the benefit of the doubt. Everybody is suspect. Um, if you're of the other party, you're not only wrong, you're evil. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I just, listen, I worked in a Democrat state where I couldn't afford to do that. So I operated in a totally different way that I gave everybody the benefit of the doubt. And we got things done. But that's just like a better way to live life, not just in, in politics, but in life. Absolutely. You can't go around it being that bitter or negative. It's just like a poison. And I think that that's what's happening to the country right now. It's been going on, I really think, since the Bush v. Gore um, election, I think it has been building towards what's happening now in the country for the last, you know, 20 years. 20 years, yeah. And and I think that, you know, the one thing I've said to people is if the president is reelected, which if you if you ask me today to guess, I'd say he's going to be. Yeah. That the one good thing about it amongst other things will be that after 8 years of Donald Trump, the country will be exhausted. <laughs> will be absolutely I think mentally a lot of people are exhausted. exhausted now. Right. And I think that the, those who aren't will be by the end of 8 years of him. And it's going to force us it's going to, be to like reassess a it. Yeah. It's, it's going to be yeah. a time to hit a reset button. Yep. Because no one can take it to the level that he's taken it to. And and I think he's just a unique figure personally and politically in our country's history. I don't think he's changed the Republican Party forever. And I don't think he's changed the Republic forever. I think it, and, and he would love that, that it's unique to him. Well, Most other people would want to <laughs> change it forever and want a legacy. 
I don't think he's the least bit interested in that. No, it's he his wa- thing, and that's like how he'll be remembered. Exactly. He wants to. I think he wants to look back and say he's the only one who could have done that. So there that are no Dems it. that are come to mind that can compete with him, right, for 2020? I think the only person who could give him potentially give him a hard time is Joe Biden. Right. And I think the reason for that is 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 Biden can appeal to those blue collar white workers in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, and Wisconsin, where the president. You know, won the presidency by tens of thousands of votes in those four states. If 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 he were to peel those voters off, the president would lose. But I don't think anybody else, like Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren or Kamala Harris, they're too far left. They are, and I think Middle America will just say, "Yeah, we're not thrilled we're not there, with we're Trump, not, we're there yet, but yeah. we're we're not moving right, to this." Right. And that's why I think Biden's the only chance they have. But is he like dynamic enough to compete with the crazy? Well, if I were him, I would counter it. I wouldn't try to compete with the crazy because you can't. No, he has to appeal to the people who are exhausted. Exactly right. And he's got to appeal to people who say, you know what? He's not too far left for me. And he is more conventional than the president. And I need conventional Mm -hmm. right now. I'm a little scared by how unconventional the president is. I could use me some conventional right now. Well, I mean, and that's, (laughs) and by the way, you're the type of voter that, if Joe Biden were the nominee and were to win you, mm-hmm. you're the kind of voter who gives him the she's, election. She's voting for Joe Biden. Right? A, a she's suburban, a she's suburban mom who's generally conservative in her policy views, mm-hmm. as you were saying, you agree with Donald Trump on the policies, but who is exhausted by the personal dynamic and just says, you know what? I'll trade a little bit off on the policy to get more stability from the That's personality. That's me to the T. So Jim Muren, yeah. uh, CEO, chairman of MGM Grand, mm-hmm. uh, was here this morning. Uh, we have a great partnership. Uh, Ten years of the Bellagio. He did a fundraiser at the Nomad last night for uh, Vice President Biden, and they raised a half a million dollars in two hours. And Heather Murin, we were talking, and I said, you know, Joe's slogan should be "Same policies, less crazy." You know, like taste great, less film. Yeah, yep. Same policies, less crazy. But I mean, I just wonder why the president needs to go in that direction with like, you know, tutti pots, you know? Anthony, you know, that's tutti who he pots. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he can't help it. That's right? who he is. Like, there's right. one relief about it, which is that he's not pretending to be that. Right. He, this is not a put on. Nobody could pretend to be this that. Is, this is him. <laughs> this is who he is. And I think, you know, I say to people all the time, as I said on the stage today, why are you surprised? This is the way he campaigned in the primary and in the general. It's not like he wasn't tweeting then. You know why? Because people underestimated his level of energy and the fact that he could sustain this this manner and this behavior for that long. I think we all know he's like that, but I didn't think someone could be like that 24-7, 360. I didn't know that someone had that much stamina. Do you think he had an age advantage over you? No. What he had was a name ID advantage over me. Here's what never had happened before in a race like that. Somebody who came in who had had a top 10 television show for a decade and had created an image that was not completely consistent with reality, um, that he was this tough, incredibly successful, incredibly decisive business executive. And that's what he looked like. That's what they made him look like on the show. And when you're only taping for you know 40 right. minutes per show and it gets edited, you can be made to look at, like anything. Mm-hmm. And he came in with this persona that was not necessarily consistent with the guy I knew or the guy you knew, but, you know, everybody knew who he was. He was a celebrity. He's an unbelievable brand. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a celebrity. Like, we are in a celebrity culture right now, I think, more than I've seen in my lifetime. And he came in, and that's the big advantage he had because you, you, as as well-known as I was, and I was probably maybe beside Jeb Bush, 
just I because think, of the family I name. I might have been the best name known, recognition right? beside, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe him. me and Jeb were close. I might have been beyond Jeb at that I point. I think you were beyond Jeb. Nobody, it was, I was like nothing compared to him. I remember people saying like, you know, um, when I when I endorsed him, well, it's good because Christy will be a calming force in the Trump campaign. When was I ever called a calming force for anybody? <laughs> right? For anybody. You made you guys look like real stable geniuses. Right. I look like you know, him. I look like I look like a statesman for God's sake. So <laughs> I think that was the advantage, Anthony. I don't think it had anything to do with age. And I was saying to someone today earlier that it was very hard to run against him because, except for Jeb, none of us had the money to go after him. Right. So like I had all kinds of things that I wanted to use that were factually hits on on Donald Trump that I knew from my time in New Jersey because his business career in New Jersey was checkered. Oh yeah. Right? Atlantic City. But who had the money to do it? Only Jeb did and Jeb wasted all that money. I mean, if if people really look back on that race, the candidates in particular, um if you want to quote unquote blame someone for Donald Trump, it's Jeb Bush. Because he had 150 million dollars and he never laid a glove on Donald Trump ever. I have a and question. And in fact, it became a punching bag for him. What did Mary Pat think of the whole presidential campaign and and run? She loved it in some respects while we were doing it, but it got to be overwhelming for her after a while. And I don't think, I don't think if she had a choice, she would ever want me to do it again. Okay. Um, she knows she doesn't have that Been choice. Been there, done that. Yeah. Well, that's, well, will you do it again? I, if I thought I had a chance to win, sure. Because I think, Anthony, once you've run for president and you've crossed over that that hurdle in your mind of saying, I could do it. Mm -hmm. Like you remember 2011, 2012, when a lot of people were urging me to run. Oh, I was on the conference call uh, where you- With Langone, uh, right? Well, I was on on that call where Langone was trying to convince you to run, and then I was on the subsequent call where you were endorsing Governor Romney. Right. And you offered up a campaign donation to him, literally on the call. Remember yep. that call? And I, I was do. like, okay, this, you know, this is uh, this is going to be Romney's race then, because yep. I thought you had. You may or may not remember this, but I saw you, and I told Deirdre this. I saw you at a Coke event, in right. it was uh, Beaver Creek, Colorado, at yep. the Ritz Carlton. We, we were in a tent. Yep. You gave an extemporaneous speech that uh, I thought was absolutely brilliant and legendary. And those two guys are old school guys yeah. and very, very conservative, and they were blown away. Yeah. And I remember walking back into the lobby, and I remember David Koch, who you know, uh, uh, Deja remembers when she was pregnant, he was so kind, he flew her back with me, thank God, but uh, on his plane, <laughs> on his plane oh, from I, one of those I mean, conferences. Leave you but, behind and get on well, you know, anything could happen. You know, I could be dragging myself behind a plane. <laughs> but, but I was like, okay, this guy's got to you have a gift. You have a gift. You connect with people. You're a real guy. You really don't care, and, and I mean this yeah. from a, yeah. a super comp. You know, I think we're I, I think we're going to be ready for that. I think the next generation, like when I talk to my kids, I bet they're probably not too similar from your kids. My adult children, I mean, we have a a five and almost two year old yep. together. I have a we have adult children. Um, they're like, hey, dad, we, we, we're, we're done with this nonsense. Okay, we, let's just get the policies right. That's yep. you. Yeah, and I that's think, your brand. And I think you know, like in eleven and twelve. In 11, when I really made the decision, despite all of the encouragement I was getting from a lot of really influential people, in my heart, I didn't think I was ready. And so I just said, I can't do this. I can't do it. You know, uh, but when 16 comes and you think you are ready, once you've made that decision in your mind, like you look at it and say, I could do this job and I could do it well, then I don't think it ever leaves you 
the interest in doing it. Mm -hmm. But I would say this, there's no way, and this is what I'd have to convince Mary Pat of, there would be no way I would do it unless I thought I had a legitimate chance to win. Because you put your family through so much when you do it, that if you're just doing it on a lark for your ego, I think it's unfair to your family. You're right. And and, and ultimately unfair to you too, Mm -hmm. although you wouldn't see it that way at the time. So yeah, I think Mary Pat, she was, you know, ABC did a whole thing on her during the primary um, with a, a report they did, a five or six minute thing on the evening news called The Secret Weapon. And she spent so much time in New Hampshire and did so much door-to-door, person-to-person stuff. They called her the secret weapon, and they did this whole. I was going to say, I think she's a really great partner. Yeah, totally. She seems to back you up. She raised and... a lot of money for you, the RGA. Yeah, let me tell you, she was on. The, she, she is fearless in terms of the the fundraising part of all this stuff, and she. That's that Wall Street expertise. Yeah. She goes yeah, right I love for the jugular. Like yeah. And she said, and she it's also. The best. Yeah, they she are al- so effective. It's true, and she also said to me, like I've been I've been used to rejection for thirty years. You know, mm-hmm. in my business, where you call and you pitch something to somebody and they, they say hang no. Up on you. <laughs> right, and you're done. And like, yeah. okay, move on to the next one. So she's helped me in a whole bunch of ways. But yeah, I think the presidential thing, Deirdre, I think she just was like, after it was over, she she was so disappointed, I think, after it was over and unhappy about the result that I think, and I know for my kids, my kids still haven't gotten over that part of it. Well, it's really hard to see somebody you love that close to you who's that go through all of that stuff and get raked over the coals. And especially when you know the person can do an amazing job and be the guy, and then but they, they're not. Yep. And it's really, you know, you're crestfallen almost. But, they were, but, kids yeah. were. We're, we're, we're gonna let you go, but I gotta ask you this question because we were walking over here and there's a sinister element to some of these people though. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, in our own Anthony team, Anthony is so intrigued yeah. by the Game oh, of Thrones. I mean, what the hell's wrong with these people? Ask. I mean, your environment. I, uh, You're you, so you see, intrigued I, by it. You, yeah, it's I don't, like he's I don't, in disbelief I, I, that some, people that this goes on. Somebody but said to me once, I'm on. wicked smart, but I'm remarkably naive. Because I don't know. I got raised Catholic. I, if I'm on your team, I'm trying to boost you Religion up. has you know, nothing to do with that. Oh, I don't know what it is. My point is, if I'm on your team, yep. I'm trying to make you better. I'm not interested in trying to stamp your eyeball out. Nope. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to mention names, but I find these people like disgusting. I mean, what, I mean, what but, the hell you know what these people? You know what it is? I really believe that... It's people who have lived an entitled life, believe that they're entitled to move the chess pieces of other people's lives around as they so as they wish, yeah. without any concern about what the ramifications are for the folks who they're hurting. And and I can just tell you that like I think and I think where the religious part that you brought of it brought up comes in is is an ethic, a cultural thing that comes cultural. from that. Right? It's a cultural. It's cultural. I want to do the right yeah. thing. And, I'm, and I'm here visiting the planet. I want to do the right thing. Right. I'm not interested in destroying somebody else. And and, and, and part of it is like, listen, uh, you and I have both over the years have had plenty of legitimate disputes with people where we fight and we fight hard and we fight for what we believe in. But it's never about just destroying someone. It's about trying to achieve something that we think is noble to achieve. What I think happened is happening around the present. And, and a lot of it's his fault because he doesn't stop it. He sees it, and sometimes he likes it, sometimes he doesn't, but he never stops it. It's people who think that they're more important than the country. Mm-hmm. They're more important than what's going on there, and that they want to exclude anybody from being around him who could be an effective truth teller because they might, at one one day, say something different than they're saying. And that's... That's evil stuff, it's and totally it's true. and and it's and it's counterproductive. And I've said this to the president a number of times, and I'll say it, Anthony. I mean, I, I think 
you know, I told them that there were there were nepotism laws put in place in this country in the 1960s after yeah, Bobby after, after Bobby yeah. Kennedy was the Attorney General, um, and for good reason, mm-hmm. because it's hard to fire somebody you have to have Thanksgiving with. You know, it, it, you, you someone does something wrong, and and they deserve to be fired. It's just a different fired. relationship that should it doesn't really mix. It doesn't mix, and it's not. It, listen, the president has lived his whole life both as a child and as an adult in a family business. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole different dynamic and not demeaning that at all. Like people who build a family business and they keep it a family business and private and keep the family in the hierarchy, that's their choice. But the United States government isn't that. And so I think that part of the problem that the president confronts every day is how to balance that dynamic. And, and I, I'd say to you that you know the, 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 the last part of it is that you can't um, – you can't understand fully how it impacts everybody else in that building. Because you make a, you're in, you were in the building for a while, you make a, you make a policy argument that you believe in, right? And, and all of a sudden, like, you think you've gotten somewhere, then the, everybody leaves the room, and but only a few a people bar. get to go up to the right. residence or go to Mar-a-Lago or go to Bedminster. And then all of a sudden, something you think you decided to become something completely different. And so then everybody walks on eggshells around the people who are in the family who can have influence. And that, in the end, what I've said to the president over and over again is, you think that helps you, but it doesn't. Because it's not only that they may not be right all the time, it's that other people hold back if they think they're going to disagree with them because they're afraid of what the ramifications of that that will be. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem. It's a big problem. For him, and 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 at times it's been a problem for the country. I think, that's I think it's. I think it's. I very just well came said. away smarter from this podcast. You came away. She's Definitely. smart. Trust me. Yeah. No. No. no she's working smart. Have, no, she's. What? She's trying to Why pretend that she came. Why are you hung up on away. that? I'm just saying. I learned a lot of things. Made I'm not, me think. I'm not hung up on it. I'm just giving him the heads. I'm giving him the heads up. He's so hung up on it. I'm giving him the heads up that you're Ari Stark. I just want to make sure he knows in case the the javelin comes out. It's it's the javelin but comes out and you're swinging at me and you miss and hits him. <laughs> <laughs> Got to give him the heads up. I'm He's ducking, gotta, baby. Got to duck. I, I am ducking right up. from the beginning, Anthony. She's Ari Stark with yeah. blonde hair. <laughs> I I don't watch Game of Thrones, so neither do I. I don't watch Game of Thrones. So to me and you, that that analogy I gotta get, I gotta, is I'm, like she's going to be watching season one with me. Okay. She'll have to be talking to you. So, talk to my so kids Governor, about that. you, yeah. you Calm, are calms. a delight to be around. Um, I appreciate you coming out yeah, here. I hope pleasure. you're having Thanks a great. I hope you're having a great time. I am. And, uh, and we're going to see you in New York yes, sir. and New Jersey. Got it, buddy. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, and maybe Governor Christie. Maybe. Or, 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 <laughs> Why not? The whole tri state area, I forgot to say. Maybe Iowa and maybe New Hampshire. Yeah, sure. oh, you never know. You never know, Gov. You never know, baby, what's going to happen. You never know. All right. All right. Amen. Thank Life you for long. being with us. Right. Thank bless. you so God much. Bless. Thank you, guys. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 